When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, Brandon Harvey here. Um, earlier this week, the election happened, and it's been something that has been crazy for the last 18 months of campaigning, and you know, it just reached its culmination, and a president was elected, and that president-elect is Donald Trump. And honestly, that's not the candidate that I voted for or necessarily in fact, I was pretty adamantly against him becoming the president. So it's been a really weird few days of figuring out how to respond. And it honestly took me pretty long to kind of come to grips with a lot of my thoughts. But last night, uh, I was at a bonfire with some friends. And we just ended up having this fantastic conversation about what is going on in this country, how we can move forward, what kind of action steps we can each take as individuals and how we can kind of, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but how we can make the world a better place. And one of the people that was at this bonfire was my friend Tyler Huckabee. Hey, buddy. Hey, and so we've got Tyler in the studio here. Tyler is a writer, a speaker. He's here in Nashville. I'm a huge fan of him, um, but he just has really fantastic thoughts. And I think he's got a really good way of communicating ideas and so I just invited him to come into the studio spontaneously today to kind of have a conversation about where we're at and where we're going to go moving forward. Oh Brandon I'm a big fan of you too. <laughs> I had no idea you felt this way. Thanks buddy. <laughs> Thanks for having me in. I've, uh, I'm have i a big fan of your podcast and I'm a big fan of your work and I've secretly always wanted to be on the other side of the, the headset with you in the podcast studio so it's well, a dream is, come true for me. This is good man. Man so Tell me, where were yeah. you on Tuesday night? <laughs> well, uh, Tuesday night, uh, I, we were actually getting ready. My my wife Liz and I were going to uh, a party at a friend's house because uh, we thought we'd be celebrating the win of the country's first female president. And uh, and that party took a, a turn pretty early on, and we ended up going home pretty early. So then I, I watched sort of the fallout and the uh, the, the rest of it. Uh, eventually, just at at home with uh with some ice cream and my dog <laughs> and CNN and so me and me and Anderson Cooper brought in the President Elect Trump together. Uh, it was it was very surprising. Obviously, I think we were nobody nobody expected this. Uh, I, I'm still kind of reeling from how wrong we all got it and realizing that there's no experts anymore. You know, there's no totally. clearly there's no. Uh, everybody that we trusted and, and believed got this one wrong. So we we are living in a world without any. Re- There's no. We're in uncharted waters. I guess I should yeah. say. And everybody who thought they knew where we were going was wrong. So we're looking for some new leadership. Yeah, yeah. That's the most interesting thing. For I would imagine for you as somebody who's in the media, you're a writer, you're a communicator. It's kind. It's kind of weird that everybody had no idea this was happening. Yeah, and man. There was this entire pulse of the country that was just not 
being picked up. Like mm-hmm. nobody understood it. Mm-hmm. There, there's definitely a. I think that I was of the mind for a long time that there's obviously there's a conservative media and there is a liberal media, and in my thinking, the conservative media was pretty far right and was spouting off some pretty crazy theories, and the liberal media I thought was also biased and in some unhealthy ways, but I thought they were maybe a little closer to yes. at least they had facts on their side. <laughs> maybe they would spin those facts in unhealthy ways. Maybe they'd be kind of uh, smarmy or snarky in how they put it or treated uh, people on the conservative side sometimes. But I thought they were at least close to right. Uh, come to find out, <laughs> I was very wrong. And, uh, you know, I looked at the data and I trusted the data. The data was inaccurate. And uh, and so if, if nobody ever wants to read anything that I write, again, I can't blame them because uh, I got this one about as wrong as anybody could. Because not only <laughs> not only did, did Hillary Clinton lose, but, but she lost bad. Yeah, it's so crazy. I was so my election night, Sammy and I, my wife and I went over to a friend's house. Yeah, I they, saw some pictures of you guys. Yeah. On, on social media. Yeah, we uh, we got invited over last minute. We were just going to watch it at home. And uh, right before we head over, we get a text that says, um, there's some Trump supporters here. We just wanted to let you know beforehand. Oh, man. And we were like, crap, do we still want to go? <laughs> like, we, You know, it's so awkward. I'm not a sports fan, but it felt like if you were to like be, I don't know, this is maybe a stupid metaphor, <laughs> but I don't watch sports nearly enough, but it's like sitting next to each other, like rooting for opposite teams, except the it actually matters. Yeah, yeah. Except, except for there's not a, there's not a. We'll get him next year. It's yeah, a, we might be back in four years, but the, it's going to be a very interesting four exactly. years. Uh, I can I can relate to that a little bit. I remember just a few years ago driving across the country with my family to go see the Nebraska Cornhuskers play in San Diego against Washington. We were supposed to win. We'd beaten them before. Supposed to be a blowout. Yeah, we got. Uh, we we got our butts handed to us, man. We got <laughs> we we got shut out, and it was cold, and I didn't have a coat, and uh, we Ugh. were tired, and we had just driven you know twenty four hours to get there. Uh, that was the last time I can remember feeling as gobsmacked as I was. But obviously, like you said, it, it, this is not a sports game. There, there are real stakes here. And, and as much as we have trivialized some of those stakes throughout this election at points, uh, people's lives, as we've seen over the past couple of days since the election results came in, are very much on the line here yeah. in some very real ways. Yeah. And let's talk about that. So I've spent the last few years, I feel like it was about two years ago, where there was just kind of a turning point in my mind where I went, I only listen to white people. Like mm-hmm. I, the people I follow online, they tend to be more white. The people I see in real life, they tend to be more white. And a lot of that is just socioeconomic. Like it's, it's the cities I live in, you know, Portland where I used to live is the whitest city in America yeah. or one of them, yeah. you know, it's just all of these things. And so I made this intentional choice. I was like, I'm going to follow more people who are not like me, you know? And yeah. so I'm a straight white upper class dude born in America. And so I basically tried to follow and get to know all these people who are different than me in every single way that I could imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've spent the last few years like trying to empathize with, you know, my LGBT plus friends and my Latino friends and my black friends. And and, like there's this and my refugee friends. And um, it's, it's been really humanizing and it's been one of the most valuable things I've ever done to look to oh, listen sure. to other people. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I think there is a, 
and, and this is talked about a lot, but obviously it bears repeating based on the events of the past few days, that it's very easy to silo yourself in a, in a way on social media. Absolutely. And you don't realize how different many, many people are from you. And you have to be intentional about finding those voices. And it's very easy to uh, to just find the straw men version of the other side of things, because yes. those are the That's ones really that you, good point. those are the ones that like you accidentally stumble across, right? Those are the ones that if if all you do is is follow your your white friends, maybe your white friends have a little bit of antagonism towards uh, towards minority movements like Black Lives Matter or certain uh, certain refugee causes, then you're only going to hear about the ones that don't go well. You're only going to hear about the times that, that things uh, get out of control, maybe things get violent. And so then it'll be very easy for you to paint all of those movements with a very broad brush and a very incorrect brush because the reality is most people are not violent. They're, they're, most people are not trying to... Uh, to overturn the country or they're not trying to bring Sharia law and make it part of our constitution. But it'd be very easy for you to think that way if you only learn listen to certain types of outlets. Totally. And there's exceptions to every single thing. And so there's totally, for every argument that's really ever been made in kind of the political world in the last few years, I'm positive that there's one example of that thing being true. Right. But that's it would be really unfortunate and really dangerous to paint an entire group of people with a broad brush. Well, none of us, of none of us want to be defined by the worst elements of no. our existence or of the causes we believe in. Cause we all know that, you know, if you're a, if you're a white Christian who lives in middle of nowhere, Iowa, it's pretty easy to find some very hateful white Christians who you would want nothing to do with. You would say, I absolutely reject those tactics, those, you know, those God hates gay people signs or, or the Westboro Baptist church. You would you d- distance yourself from them. You'd say they don't represent me at all. But uh, that is not, that benefit is not something that we always afford to people who aren't like us. Yes, exactly. And so in my last few years of kind of paying attention to these people who in a lot of ways are marginalized because as a white middle class straight dude born in America, I'm like the center of this country. (laughs) Well, so am I, right? Yeah, we're in the same place. We like, we have had it our way for a long time. And Uh so it's anybody that's not us really has a totally different story. And with the rise of Donald Trump and his growth as a viable candidate and a lot of the terrible things he said, people have felt really attacked by that, Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. um, marginalized by that, really hurt by that. And so it's been a really hard few days because of people feeling like America voted for those ideas. What are some of the things that you've uh, you've seen or you've witnessed you've witnessed uh, that have been some of the negative, we'll say, repercussions of that or the negative fallouts of his of his victory? Man, I just scrolling through Facebook today, not just not looking at viral stories, not looking at stories from news outlets. I have one friend who posted a photo of one of her close friends who is who is protesting, which is like one of my favorite things about America yeah. is people protesting you can peacefully. Protest. Yeah. Um, and, and he was hit by a car with a Confederate flag waving off of the back oh of it. Oh my gosh. And like, that's terrible. Another thing I just saw was on my little sister's campus, her college campus in Oregon, mm-hmm. last night, an African American woman walked out of like an African American student group organization meeting to this entire group of people covered in blackface. And then this morning it appears that a number of black student union 
members have also received racist and vulgar threats yeah. online. And so it's yeah. it's hard because those things hit close to home. Those yeah. are like not just random cases. Those are just friends. And that's like my sister's college campus. Like it's weird. Right. right. And I think there is a, we want to be very careful in talking about these things. And there are obviously, there are hundreds of stories out there and, and some of them have been confirmed. Some of them haven't been confirmed yet. So we, we will be try to be careful in how we talk about them. But we want to be careful and give them the same, uh, privilege that we're trying to afford to members of minority groups. We don't want to define a whole movement by its worst elements. Uh, but there is also the the reality here is that the Ku Klux Klan has endorsed Donald Trump for president. They held the victory parade yesterday in North Carolina to celebrate that. The, those things are are terrible, and they need to be very strongly and loudly condemned by by President-elect Donald Trump, by his administration, and by the people who supported Trump. That is not something that Donald Trump so far has been very good about doing. He has not loudly condemned the hate that that has come out of some of the fringe elements of his campaign. So if minority groups feel like he does not really care about them, then I would say that's the reason why. It's because he's been very, very slow to distance himself from his more troubling elements. So it's understandable to me if they don't feel like these are fringe groups at all, but that they're representative of the whole. Absolutely. And I think that's something important to mention is that let's let's presume that Donald Trump is not going to take actions based on the things he said sure. and, and that he's going to like, respect these minority groups in incredible ways and everything's going to go great. Um, the truth is that even if that's the man you voted for and you voted for him for, you know, not Based on your economic anxiety and, exactly. and, a feel, and genuine feelings of being left behind and unheard. Exactly. The fact that, you know, minority groups around the country feel so fearful, like that's not a, that's not an emotion you can ignore. Like that's a very real thing. And so the proper response to that sort of fear and that sort of anxiety, um, that's really authentic is empathy. Mm-hmm. And so that's been, that's been the big thing that I've been focusing on in the last few days since the election is I want to hear people. I just want to listen. I want to be empathetic. And the time for a plan is what comes next. But right now it's just the listening period. And, uh, and I've been like writing down ideas on, you know, what are, what are some of the plans we can begin to make to, to care for these people, to love people during this time yeah, in America yeah. that feels very bizarre. But the last few days have been listening. I, I think that I've been thinking a lot about listening the past few days because there is a growing sentiment that we've done a very poor job at listening to each other. And I think that's a very true thing. Clearly it's true because if we'd been listening to each other better, there probably would have been some better predictions about what was going to happen totally. Tuesday nights. But I, I think that it's important for us to remember that listening is not a virtue in and of itself. Uh, listening is just an action. It's something that you do. Love is a virtue. Mm-hmm. And love means that sometimes you listen and it's important to, to listen well and to listen with empathy. And it also means sometimes you say, this is something that you... You tell people, I hear what you're saying, but you can't say this right now because this is insensitive or offensive or it's causing violence and increased segregation and and deepening the rift in this country. And knowing how to do that is hard. Life is complicated. There's not a simple way to know when you should listen or when you should speak up. It it takes being very wise and and being very understanding of what you're hearing. Uh, I do think that there is a, a tendency in this country to 
not listen to people who have a different experience than your own. Mm. Um, I think there's a tendency, especially, I'll just say this because this is the world that I come from. Uh, there's a tendency among white people to hear a black person talk about their experience and to say, no, that didn't happen. There's no way that happened. Whether it's about police brutality, whether it's about how they feel about Donald Trump's presidency, or very small things, little microaggressions that happen just throughout their lives in, in education and in the justice system. Because white people haven't experienced that, because they don't feel those same sorts of aggressions and that same racism, they assume that, that, that black people must be making these things up and that it can't actually be happening. Uh, that is not, that is a not listening, obviously, which needs to happen, but it also needs to be, you need to be very careful about telling people when their experience isn't true, especially if it's not experience that you have shared. Uh, I think uh, as a good rule of thumb, if somebody who has a different life than your own, uh, a different experience, whether it be because of their race or their religion, um, or even just their socioeconomic status, how much money they have. Uh, if they're trying to tell you something about their lives that you've not experienced, probably time to shut up. Totally. I think that a I, I want my role uh, in the in the coming. I've wanted my role for the past few years, and I especially want it to be even more so now in the coming four years, uh, to be a, an advocate for people who have not had my levels of privilege. Uh, mm. That looks like a lot of different things, and, and everybody will have to sort of figure out what that means for their own communities and, and where they're at in terms of their own platforms. But but I've been given, be, because I think in no small part, because I'm white, because I'm male, I've been given a lot of privilege. And that's come with a little bit of a platform, and I want to make sure that I'm using that now to amplify and elevate other people who do not have those same levels of privilege that a lot of times, uh, probably more often than not, will mean stepping aside so that other people can use that platform and using my platform to elevate those voices. And sometimes it means saying things that, that need to be said to other white people who have not done a good job of listening. And, and if, exactly. they will, if they won't hear voices from uh, the from minorities of color, from people of different orientations, then hopefully they'll be able to listen to to me in a in a way, and I, and I hope that they will then go out and seek some of those other voices that I do try to to elevate and to amplify. It's exactly it, and I think that's been what my goal is since the election, a little bit before the election, and uh, that's kind of what the goal of this conversation is. Yeah. I do think it's worth acknowledging that that we're two white guys talking about this. We may have sort of some existential issues with things that Donald Trump has talked about and that, that we don't like. Uh, I, I don't like the way that he and some of his supporters have talked about Muslims or women or, or uh, refugees. But it affects me uh, personally very, very little because he's largely been for the straight white men. And, <laughs> and so it's so my my anger is sort of for p- other people in my community who I love and care about who have felt targeted by these things. I, I do want to acknowledge that we're talking about this from a bit of a distance and that barring uh, the threat of you know a nuclear war that would happen with President Trump, which is sadly the chances aren't entirely zero of that. <laughs> but 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 for the most part, the the worst effects of the things that he has said he will do will not fall on me. So we speak about all of this with a distance, and I want to be aware of even yeah. that privilege as we talk about these things. 
and, and I and I hope that we don't sound too insensitive in saying any of this. But I also think it's important for people who have privilege, like you and me, to be very vocal about it. The that we are the, that we are also concerned about these things. Yeah, I think that's incredibly important. I'm so glad that you said that. So, Brandon, you said uh, I mean, we've, had, we've had a few hours to process this now and to get ready for the next few next few years. Uh, what have you come up with? What do you think we should do? Man, I've been just, as I've been coming up with ideas, as I've been listening and seeing needs, I've just been taking notes. I've been writing stuff down saying, mm-hmm. this is kind of what needs to be done. And I've come up with a few things. And the interesting thing is, as I've been doing this, um, the heavy feeling that I felt right after the AP called the election um, has kind of been getting less heavy. And I woke up, not the day after the election, but the day after the day after the election. Um, and I woke up, instead of feeling in despair or frustration or anger, I woke up feeling energized. And I woke up feeling ready to do something. Huh. And I think that's a really yeah. cool experience to say, all right, this is like I've had my moment to grieve. And I think I'll get to continue to do that with those who are continuing to grieve. But now's the time for me to step in and begin to take action. Yeah. yeah. And so some of those action steps are um, on a whole, I just want to step in for marginalized groups. So that means standing up for refugees abroad and locally. It means standing up for religious liberty, for all religions, especially people who, you know, I come from a Christian faith tradition, um, which honestly... I feel super frustrated by that this week. Um, but I really want to work hard to um, focus on, you know, religious freedoms for right. people who with other religions. Stand up for my African-American friends and those in the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I want to stand up for women. And I, I want to stand up for those who have been sexually abused, amazing heroic survivors, and stand up for the disabled. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are a great. That's a great way to start. And standing up can look like a lot of different things. Yeah, those those groups are all very different, and but they all do have a lot of needs. Um, I'd suggest that if you really want to funnel your, if you're feeling discouraged by the election, if you're feeling angry about the election, uh, there are ways to funnel that into into very healthy, proactive, very practical uh, ways. Yeah, uh, the almost every city of any of a significant size has some sort of. Islamic Community Center. Uh, I would encourage your listeners to reach out to those places. Uh, offer just send them an email with some words of encouragement and support. Say we're glad you're here. Thankful for the work that you do. Offer to volunteer your time and resources there if if you want. The same thing can be said for. Uh, there's places that need a lot of help teaching English to incoming refugees. You could lend your time there. You don't need a teacher's degree. You just need to be able to show up and help people work on their English language. Uh, homes for the their places for sexually abused women um, who are also feeling very very unsafe uh, in this in this in America and have always felt safe in America, frankly. But but this is sort of throwing that into a sharp light. Uh, offer to volunteer your time and resources there too. There's. Uh, I've worked for nonprofits. I, I know what it's like. There are always things that need to be done. There's never enough money or people. Uh, an email, if I would have received an email from somebody who just said they wanted to help, that would have been like the sun shining on my face. And, and <laughs> they, they, they need it now more than ever. And it's such a good way to continue to empathize and listen. It allows you to understand people who aren't like you and me. Uh, yeah, there's some also other really practical things you can do. I'm going to write Donald Trump and different members of his administration That's when he great. announces that letters and just say, hey, 
in the same way that I think Barack Obama's done a really, really good job of this saying, you know, if you succeed, we all succeed, like America succeeds. And so I want to say, here's my hopes for your country. Here's how I hope that I'm represented in your administration. And here's how I hope that the members of my community, the people I know are represented in your administration. Yeah. I'm going to have some practical things. Like I really hope that your staff has an incredible amount of diversity. I hope that your staff has women. I hope that you're able to listen to people who aren't like you in the same way that I'm seeking to do this. But that can also be done on a really practical level, very locally with local legislation. Um, I remember during uh, the week where there were a number of shootings um, of African-Americans in the U.S. I wrote a letter to our police chief here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And it was a really, really positive experience. And I said, here's my frustrations. Here's my concerns. How are you addressing these concerns to make sure that Nashville doesn't end up on the map and that the African-Americans in our community are kept safe? And I actually got a fantastic response from him. And yeah. I found it to be really encouraging to be in communication like that. I I think that it's easy to forget, especially during an election, that we we live in a democracy and that means we are the government. And because we are the government, the most impact we're going to have uh, is going to be locally. And we get so caught up in the the Washington, D.C. election that happens every four years that we sometimes forget about things like our police chiefs, our uh, judges who are in our communities, uh, obviously things like senators and other legislators. These are very, very important elections. And, and I would guess most Americans, and, and me half the time, would have a difficult time even naming who these, peoples are, these people are, let alone what my vote for them should look like. Um, so I would encourage you to now would be a great time instead of waiting for four years to uh, start getting active again. Uh, start now. There's a lot of important things happening in your community. And uh, the United States of America is a trickle up government. So what happens on a local level will eventually happen on a national one as well. That's really, really well said. Something else that I've been thinking about a lot is um, is I think that the way that American culture works where you know it's consumeristic and there's so many things that are created and companies and big businesses really have a huge impact on this culture is I'm going to work really hard to vote with my dollar. And so I'm going to say, how can I stand up for people by, you know, supporting ethically produced clothing manufacturers? How can I reach out to companies and say, Hey, I'm going to support you if you're treating women really well at their place of work. Like what are some of these really practical things that I can do to just change the way that, you know, if the government won't hold businesses accountable, um, how can I hold businesses accountable? Because that's a totally fantastic thing to do. And and let them know why you're doing it too, right? Exactly. To make it to not only shop or, or not shop at certain places, but especially with regards to local businesses, maybe places that are run by minorities or immigrants. Uh, make sure that when you go and shop, they let them know, hey, I appreciate you're in the area. I'm glad you guys are here. You provide an important service. And if you said to not shop somewhere, if you see something that's concerning to you, that, that you feel like is not adding to to the United States of America is the way you want it to be, let them know that as well. And be kind about it. You, you can encourage them to try to be better about that. Uh, it doesn't have to be a window, a brick through the window, <laughs> but it, but it, but you can let them know, and that would be a great way to start pushing for more change. Because even whether or not some businesses care about things like representation, hiring diversity, they care about the bottom dollar. Totally, yeah. And if if they know that they are going to get more customers because they give women longer maternal leave, or because yeah, yeah, they're hiring exactly. an adequate number of 
people of different cultures. You know, that's that's good for them. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I think local business and local government will be really, really important in the next four years. And, and I hope that the events of Tuesday will, uh, after there's, I know some people are very afraid and, and probably some people don't even really want to go outside of their homes right now. And, and I don't fault anybody for that. But for those who can, for those who feel like they have the mental energy and capacity to do so, then uh, I hope they get to work soon because we only got four years. Exactly. And then one other thing that I've been thinking about a lot and you made a fantastic post on Facebook. If you guys don't follow Tyler online already, you got to do it. It's so good. (laughs) But Tyler had this really fantastic Facebook post about, you know, this is the time where we kind of have to become the obnoxious protester in some ways. And you, you put it more eloquently. Well, yeah, and I I didn't commit it to memory, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, I think there is a, uh, I think you've got to kind of become the person that you used to roll your eyes at a little bit if you really care. You, you have to become uh, a little bit irritating. Uh, a little bit impatient for things to get better quicker than they actually are. I, I think that there, there's a concept in government called incrementalism in which you just expect things to move very, very slowly because the United States is built that way to have checks and balances. In a healthy way. And, it, and it's a healthy thing. But there are some things that transcend politics. And, and I do believe that equality is one of those things. And there are minority groups in this country who have waited too long and who have been too patient uh, trying, expecting their full rights and personhood to be acknowledged. And I think that the time has kind of come uh, to, to stop. They, they've been very, very patient. Uh, and, and I think that it's time for white America to grow impatient on their behalf and to say, we, we just won't stand for this anymore. So you have to, you have to shout. You have, it might cost you friendships. It's going to rock the boat. Uh, it might cost you Twitter followers. I don't know. Like it's going to be, yeah. it, it can be uncomfortable and it's not fun. These aren't fun conversations to have, but for the kind of country that we want this to be, I think it's, as far as I can see, it's the only way forward. Absolutely. So that's all number one. That's this idea of here's some practical ways we can step in for marginalized people. Um, Action step number two that I've been thinking about a lot is I want to continue to seek to understand people. Yeah. And so that's been something I feel like I've been working really hard at the last few years, but still I have so much room to grow. Uh, Tyler and I were talking last night around the bonfire about this idea that it's going to be incredibly difficult to understand the way that somebody was raised if it's in a, coming from a totally different place. And I want to get as close to understanding as I can, though it may be impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and I think that's really, really true for these marginalized groups we've been talking about. Um, but also something I've been thinking about a lot, and this is a little, really tricky, but I, I want to do the same thing for Trump supporters. I feel like the group that I have not been listening to very well um, and this, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I just really want to apologize for that has been Trump supporters. And I don't know exactly why that's been like, I don't know why I wasn't paying attention before. But when Trump was elected, he he tweeted, he said, this is such a beautiful and important evening. The forgotten man and woman will never be forgotten again. We will all come together as never before. And I never like really pay attention to Donald <laughs> Trump's tweets. I don't follow him, but I I found that to be actually a really interesting idea of what if 
these supporters of Donald Trump are truly forgotten. And there's, I'm sure people will be analyzing that over the coming weeks, um, whether, you know, this is an entirely different group of people than, you know, I interact with on a daily basis or, but this is a group of people who voted for Trump because they felt like he was their voice. Yeah. And that's a weird thing to wrestle with, but it's like, they want to be heard. And so I will lend them my ear. I'm not necessarily going to lend them my, uh, my understanding of any sort of inappropriate, racist, sexist, xenophobic ideas. Sure, sure. But I do want to hear where they're coming from. And I've had a number of people um, who have told me that they've got like Facebook friends posting and they're saying, I voted for Donald Trump and I don't understand why everybody is calling me a racist. <laughs> I don't know why the yeah. whole world is turning on yeah. me. I just wanted like Hillary to not win, or I just wanted Donald Trump to be the president, but I, I'm not trying to be racist. And, and I, I want to empathize with these people who they feel like they're being attacked right now. Well, the the operative phrase when I hear that is the, I'm not trying to be racist. And I believe, I believe that a lot of Trump supporters uh, would not actively say that they think white people are better than other people. Uh, I I don't, I don't think that's uh, an explicit thought that guides their voting decisions. I, I do think that there is such thing as a, as being complicit in racism, whether or not you intend it to. I, racism, it, it isn't a club, you know. It, it isn't. There is not an official group of racists. You don't get a badge when you become <laughs> a racist. It's not a religion. It's it's actions. It's about things that you actually do or don't do. And if we do something, especially we as white people, because we come from the position of power and influence, when we as white people do something that leads to an increased amount of segregation, that leads to an increased fear of minority groups and people of color in this country, and if the end result is ends up being racism, then what you intended or what your motives are aren't all that important. If you, if you didn't mean to burn my house down, I'll take your apology, sure, but I won't be too forgiving of the fact that you burned my house down, and, and I think that's a little unfair for us to expect. Um, I understand the word racist is pejorative, and it doesn't feel good to, to be called that, but I think if you hear that and you get defensive, it's important to ask yourself, well, what do I think racism actually is? And if your only definition of what racism is, is the Ku Klux Klan, then I think you need to open and expand your idea of racism a little bit more. Because I don't think white people get to be the arbiters of what is and isn't racism. That's a really good point. So I, I, insofar as somebody who voted for Donald Trump did so because they feel unheard by the previous administration because they're worried about their economic futures, the futures of their children. I, I hope Donald Trump does a good job for them. I, I, I hope, I, I sincerely do hope that he's a good president. Mm-hmm. I, I, it would be wrong for me not to. Absolutely. But I, the concern is, and the concern of people, of minorities in this country is, that what Donald Trump considers to be a good president is not going to be good for them at all. And he has said many things on his campaign that would lead me to believe that they're right. So it, I, I think that if you are somebody who voted for Donald Trump, whether because you're genuinely excited about what he brings to the table or because you just couldn't stomach the idea of Hillary Clinton in the presidency, you need to understand that, that people of color voted in Hillary Clinton almost unanimously. 
if there were no white people in this country, then Hillary Clinton would have taken every single electoral vote that this country had to offer. And you need to sit and think about why that is. What was it? Were they all making something up? Were they just imagining that Donald Trump was going to be bad for them? Or are those coming from real fears that they've spent a lifetime learning about and experiencing that they saw manifested in a presidential candidate? So that's all to say that listening is a two-way street. It goes both ways. I believe that there are marginalized people in every part of this country. There are there is such a thing as a marginalized poor white person. I, I think that the that the marginalized poor African American is a broad is a bigger category who is less heard, um, probably because of reasons uh, like mass incarceration that has made their uh, their journey towards equality significantly more difficult. But it but there is no I, I don't want to get too in the weeds of categorizing what marginalization looks like. But I want to be very clear that I think that listening needs to be intelligent on every side. And, and I fear that when we make listening an end in and of itself, then we're missing something important about standing up for valid causes. It's really good. That's really, really well said, Tyler. That's number two. Number three is I also want to continue to talk about whiteness and privilege with my white community. And yeah. that's you know, I don't know the statistics on who listens to this podcast, but I do know that people who uh, listen to podcasts in general are more white. People who, like, somehow found me on the internet, you know, they might be a little <laughs> bit more white. Like, there's a good chance that a lot of people listening to this show look a lot like me. And because I know that, or because I feel that that's probably true, I think that I have an obligation to say, how can we this community of people that historically has been oppressive towards minority people. How can we change that? How can we be a part of this movement of saying that's not okay and justice isn't okay? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it comes from changing our definition of normal because whiteness is the predominant reigning mentality and perspective in this country, we consider that to be uh, something that, that is, we sort of take for granted. And I think there is a sense that, that, he, that some of that is sort of changing as our country gets more and more diverse, which I welcome, which I, which I think is amazing. And I know you do too. Uh, but at that change also comes with a, uh, not, a not necessarily a loss of privilege, but, uh, but a raising of other types of privilege as well. Uh, that's what equality looks like, but it's be very easy for people who have, who are used to whiteness being the only kind of privilege to get very concerned when they see that changing and, and they get nervous and, and some and some of them act out violently because of that. So I think a good a great way to explore whiteness and to explore white privilege is to explore other cultures, explore what blackness is, explore what the immigrant experience is, the Muslim experience, the LGBT experience. Uh, the more you learn about those, the more you'll start to see your own privilege and, uh, and be able to find ways to offer that privilege to others and to be an accomplice in, help, in liberating them and, and helping them find equality as well. That's really good. That's really well said. And the last thing, my, my last goal that I've been thinking about, it kind of sums all of this up, but my goal for 2017 and honestly the rest of my life is I want to find ways for my community, for this community to do a lot of this together, figure out ways that we can all rally together great. to make this happen because yeah. there's, I think we've created something really special here and on the weekly good newsletter and on just Instagram and Twitter. It's, it's been really fun to see 
the way that everybody's been getting so energized about making an impact. And that's what all of our guests on this show are about. They are making the world an incredible place and they're not getting bogged down in the cynicism. They're staying hopeful and optimistic. And so I don't know exactly what the plan is yet. I'm working on it. I want all of you to be a part of this. And, um, and, and our goal is not to be the heroes of this story. We're just, we're just part of this movement and it's, it's going to be really cool to see where this country is in 50 years. Like that's going to be incredible. I, I, I hope you're right. And I have reason to think that, that you probably are Brandon. I'll be excited to see it too. I love that. And with all that said, I want to hear from you guys. Those of you who are listening, did this resonate with you? What are your next steps? Like what are some of the plans that you've been making over the last few days? Because I know you have been, um, did we miss anything? Is there anything that, you know, we're not even considering that we didn't talk about? Um, if you have feedback, please email me at brandon at brandonharvey.com. You already know that that's Brandon with an E-N. Also, you can totally jump into the conversation that we're already having on Twitter and Instagram at at Brandon Harvey. Um, I really want to hear your thoughts, your feedback. I also think a fantastic place uh, that we can kind of get to continue this conversation of hope is my weekly good newsletter where I share five pieces of good news from around the world each week. And, you know, I think we're going to start including some more action steps in that. You can get that at brandonharvey.com. Um, you guys should also follow Tyler online. He's such a great voice in all of this. I really appreciate his writing for all the kinds of different publications, but also on Twitter and Facebook. And he's at Tyler Huckabee everywhere. Is that right? That's right. Yep. <sighs> all right. So, all that right. was our conversation <laughs> about the election. Um, First of many, I'm sure. Well, yeah, there's a lot to go through. Exactly. I think it's, I think it's important that we had this conversation. It's not as comfortable as I would like it to be. Um, it's honestly also not that easy. I would imagine a number of people shut this off halfway through um, <laughs> and didn't didn't hear the second half. Like, and there's probably people who are going to unsubscribe. Who knows? But um, I think it's important, and I'm really proud to have this community of listeners that I do. So with that said, we're going to be back next week with a normal conversation (laughs) recorded before the election. And uh, it's going to be hopeful. It's going to be beautiful. And I'm so excited. Tyler, thank you so much for being here. Oh, it was really, really great to be here, Brandon. This was a a great conversation and, and I hope it inspires other great conversations with your listeners.